You are listening to Radio Free Nashville 107.1 and 103.7 FMLP and streaming live at RadioFreeNashville.org. Welcome to the Veterans for Peace Radio Hour. The VA is the largest provider uh, for training for medical, dental, and other health professionals in the U.S. Now, this especially includes the training of specialists. Um, so if these uh, invaluable programs had to be eliminated because of privatization, and um, it's likely they would be eliminated because privatization doesn't really bring in money uh, because it, 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 that you get federal money uh, for programs, but usually doesn't uh, provide a lot of money um, for that. So if, one of the first things that would happen if they privatized the VA uh, they would eliminate uh, all these um, specialty training programs and also cooperative programs with medical and dental. That was Dr. Stephen Feldman, our special guest today, who's going to weigh in on the efforts of the Trump administration and previous administrations to privatize the VA. As you will hear, this is an issue that goes way beyond a veteran and would impact negatively on the health care for everyone. So, is everyone listening? Everyone needs to be listening. This is critical and is a different take on the privatization issue. But first, my name is Jim Wolgamuth, and I'm here via Zoom with co-hosts and fellow veterans, Tom Gross and Harvey Bennett. Veterans for Peace is an international organization of military veterans and allies whose collective efforts are to build a culture of peace by using our experiences and lifting our voices for the causes of peace, humanity, equality, and justice. Our network is comprised of over 140 chapters worldwide. Our radio show is on stations across the country. You can get a copy of the show by just going to SoundCloud or Anchor Podcasts and searching Veterans for Peace Chapter 089. And to find any of our shows, just go to bit.ly slash VFP Radio Hour. Now that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash capital letters VFP then Radio Hour, small letters. If you have any questions for us, please send me a text at 703-403-6135. Now, the Veterans for Peace Radio Hour and Radio Free Nashville are supported in part by the Green Party of Tennessee, bringing some common sense into the bipolar world of American politics. Go to greenpartytennessee.org. So, on this show... Harvey lined up an interview with Dr. Stephen Feldman to talk about the VA and the efforts to privatize and the dangers therein. So let's get to it. I was pretty surprised, uh, not that they published it, but they, uh, first of all, they made it an op-ed because it was a long yeah. to the editor and um, that they published it the way they did with a headline and a byline and uh -huh. You know, it's almost as if I was invited to write it or something. Yeah, I, I wish uh, I, any of us had gotten that kind of treatment. We've written so many letters to the editor over well, the somebody, years. Uh, you know, as I said, I was basing this article on what somebody else in, in your organization did on Veterans for Peace. And it, yeah. Um, that, that, that was a very good article. Yeah. So that kind of got you to... Uh, Oh, yeah. 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 I just wanted to add uh, my two cents. And I, I just wanted to uh, reinforce the idea that uh, I, I don't think it's a good idea to privatize the uh, yeah. 
Well, I think you're, you have a perspective that, that's uh, very interesting and I think illuminating. So that's uh, one thing I hope that we can uh, use this show to do. Uh, I'm just going to uh, introduce you here and correct me if I miss anything. So tonight- No, we, I, I'm, I'm, you don't have to hit everything. I'll okay. So our guest today is Stephen Feldman, who is a, uh, you're retired at this point? Yes. He's a retired uh, dentist uh, who uh, has had uh, <clears throat> a number of many, many, many years uh, in his dental career. He's had uh, relationships with various VA hospitals and uh, has come to uh, appreciate uh, how important uh, VA is to uh, so many <clears throat> so many uh, medical schools and dental schools and and uh, and uh, also just in training uh, of uh, medical and dental students as well as research. Uh, but uh, anyway, Stephen is also a veteran, having served. Uh, he's a Vietnam era veteran and uh, was in the Air Force Dental Corps and in the reserves for 23 years. How about that? And also. Served in De Desert Storm. Uh, best, his best friend from dental school ha has been uh, with the VA uh, since 1967 as a resident oral surgeon and chief of residency service and dental researcher. So uh, he's very familiar with uh, that role in the VA. <clears throat> uh, he worked at a dental school for 27 years that had close ties to a nearby VA hospital. And where was that? Louisville, mm -hmm. uh, I would say probably uh, most dental and medical schools are in cities where there is a VA center. Right. And, and un, you know, not surprisingly, there, there are close relationships built for the benefit of both, which I uh, will address in, in the letter I wrote. Yes. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, we, I was in Nashville till last year, and Jim uh, is in Nashville, and he can—he's uh, a regular VA patient over there, and has had experience with uh, both the VA and across the street from the VA, the Vanderbilt Medical Center, and he has oh, yeah. in contrast there uh, <clears throat> in terms of uh, the style and the interactions. Uh, so we'll get to hear about that. Uh, but in any case, uh, uh, Stephen had. Uh, had was in a position to really observe um, this whole working relationship between the VA and the dental school where he worked, uh, both in terms of training and research, uh, and recognized the unique uh, value of that. So uh, he, he uh, understands that uh, privatization would be uh, <laughs> uh, really a calamity in terms of training and research regarding veterans. Uh, <clears throat> so we're gonna get to hear from him today. And uh, he, he was uh, motivated to write an op-ed for, uh, what was the Albuquerque paper? The um, Albuquerque Journal. Albuquerque Journal. Uh, and that was back in uh, September, is that right? September 14th, 2020. Yeah, so pretty recently. And uh, <clears throat> so Buzz Davis sent Jim and I a copy of this and uh, suggested uh, maybe we should uh, have Stephen on the show, so that's what we're doing tonight. Uh, and uh, he sent a copy of his op-ed, which is 
pretty impressive that uh, you got this thing published. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> a lot of us in Veterans for Peace who uh, spent a lot of time writing letters to the editor that never see the light of day. So this was pretty encouraging. Uh, so uh, Dr. Feldman, if you don't mind, if you could just go ahead and uh, kind of mention uh, how, uh, how the, you saw a piece, I guess, from Buzz and that got you thinking and uh, resulted in this op-ed, which I'll ask you to read. Yes, uh, the, uh, the title is, uh, and uh, this is the title that the paper bestowed on me. I don't disagree with it. Be wary, a privatized VA won't be a better VA. Pretty good title they picked. Yeah. Uh, the, the subtitle is Keep Tax Dollars in Healthcare, Not Corporate Pockets. Again, I didn't write that, they wrote it. I have no argument with that. Um, first, I allude to the uh, uh, article that I was really basing this on. As the September 6 op-ed on VA privatization, that's another article written by uh, somebody uh, from Veterans for Peace. Buzz Davis, I believe. Okay, points out, uh, the president is bent on privatizing everything he can get his hands on from the VA <clears throat> health services uh, to the US post office, because there's a lot of other things that I could have mentioned, but I mentioned those too. Um, privatization, and the other article pointed this out too, privatization primarily benefits major corporations, I would say stockholders also, and their executives who um, send money to politicians running for office, swelling their campaign funds. In other words, you don't, uh, 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 public agencies like the VA, uh, it doesn't have to support uh, stockholders and uh, executives who earn, you know, big, big, big salaries. Mm -hmm. uh, privatization does not necessarily improve efficiency, quality, or save taxpayer money. The cost of privatization has to include, for example, the additional expenses of operating a business at a profit to benefit, as I mentioned, stockholders, owners, uh, and has to include uh, things like advertising, usually public relations, uh, lobbying efforts, which can be considerable. That's political support. And none of these things uh, are necessarily uh, handled um, by a nonprofit government. There are uh, some exceptions. The post office does advertise, but I never saw an ad for the Veterans Administration, so no, they don't do that. Mm -hmm. um, now, it, one thing I've uh, learned over the years from being around uh, dental schools, medical schools, uh, you, you meet a lot of veterans, and I have veterans who are friends, and I've noticed invariably, and I think they did a study on this, uh, veterans prefer receiving medical dental and hospital services from the VA rather than the private sector agencies, especially if they're close enough uh, to the VA hospital uh, to have a reasonable drive, and not everybody is. Uh, VA physicians, dentists, and other medical providers and hospitals um, are 
universally highly appreciated by the millions of veterans who receive them. And often this is on a regular ongoing basis. Um, I have friends who say, I love my VA doctor. Not an unusual thing to hear. Um, so uh, that's uh, something uh, I wanted to mention. Um, now, the VA is actually the largest, and, and the other article pointed this out, the VA is the largest provider uh, for training for medical, dental, and other health professionals in the U.S. Now, this especially includes the training of specialists. Um, so if these uh, invaluable programs had to be eliminated because of privatization, and uh, it's likely they would be eliminated because privatization doesn't really bring in money uh, because it, it, that you get federal money uh, for programs, but usually doesn't uh, provide a lot of money um, for that. So if, one of the first things that would happen if they privatized the VA, uh, they would eliminate uh, all these um, specialty training programs and also cooperative programs with medical and dental uh, schools. For example, when I, when I went to uh, graduate school at uh, Loyola of Chicago, um, it was uh, on the campus um, or close to the campus of the Heinz VA Medical Center. And um, we took our anatomy classes at the Heinz VA Medical Center. And uh, uh, the dental school, uh, you know, was able to do that. And um, if, if you eliminate those programs, it's gonna, it's gonna uh, be a burden on medical and dental schools to, to get uh, more specialty programs, which is difficult and very expensive. And uh, until that happens, people could be waiting months, if not years for appointments because there wouldn't be enough uh, specialists. specialists. So uh, VA hospitals also maintain reciprocal relationships with the military, medical and dental schools. Uh, for example, uh, when I was uh, teaching at Loyola, we had um, uh, a periodontist, which I am, a gum surgeon who would come in one day a week uh, from the VA. And he, he was doing research um, uh, at the VA, but he also collaborated with the people at the dental school. So it's very convenient um, when you have a collaboration like that. Um, one person often can't do all the research uh, themselves and they have uh, they could work with other people and all work together uh, for the common good and um, also this applies uh, to training and service facility utilization for, uh, for example my wife who was in the military with me uh, we were both in the uh, National Guard and uh, the Army Reserves for example uh, she actually she's a, a medical assistant um, she actually received um, medical uh, training for her position at the VA uh, on the weekends. Um, so uh, the fact that the VA was there helps the Army in, in, in mobilization uh, situations so that people are trained if we have to go to war or something like that. Now, if you had privatization, uh, those relationships would um, likely uh, have to cease uh, because they're not, they're not gonna make a profit on it from training. 
uh, and uh, the military, medical and dental schools uh, participating uh, would have to find other ways, um, if they could, of uh, providing uh, this training. And uh, that would be difficult and expensive to the medical and dental schools. And taxpayers would probably have to pay for this because that's the way it works uh, with residency programs. So it would, just, it would just be a burden on the taxpayer. Now, my wife and I uh, are proud Vietnam era veterans. We don't consider ourselves suckers or losers. Uh, and we don't want to see the VA become another insurance company rather than a provider of, I would say, very high quality care that is, that is individualized and best serves the specialized needs of our nation's beloved veterans. When veterans are together in a VA hospital, there's a lot of camaraderie and uh, that's good uh, for health, uh, makes veterans feel better and that's important. So privatization, as I've said, simply takes tax dollars out of the VA, puts them into the pockets of millionaires and billionaires. And this is uh, something that applies to the post office and particularly uh, Mr. DeJoy, who is the postman <laughs> general. Mm -hmm. And he's one of those billionaires who would directly benefit from the privatization of the post office, which to me is a huge conflict of interest if there ever was one. So that's my letter with a little bit of elaboration, if you don't mind. <clears throat> Very good. Uh... <clears throat> I'm so impressed that you got that published. <laughs> just, I'm, well, I'm, I will I'm, say this. Uh, I write a, a, one of my hobbies, and I started this when I was teaching in dental school, uh, has become writing letters to the editor. Uh -huh. I do write a lot of letters to the editor. Yeah. And uh, uh, Albuquerque is a city of about a half a million. It's not you know, like Washington, D.C. Right. or Philadelphia. Um, uh, they uh, they might publish more letters in a big, a really big city newspaper. Mm -hmm. But uh, I also have written letters to the Tampa Bay Times and uh, the uh, Louisville Courier Journal, other newspapers. Uh, I've had a lot of pu letters published. Mm -hmm. uh, and it doesn't necessarily mean that the, uh, the journal agrees uh, with uh, what I had to say, because I've written letters on certain topics that they published. And like the next day, there's an editorial by the paper, which <laughs> refutes what I said and disagrees with it. So just uh, because they published it, doesn't mean they agree with it. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I, I've had a lot of, I, I've had a lot of letters. Published. It'd be interesting to know if the Albuquerque Journal is a uh locally owned or it or, is it's it, it is absolutely locally owned and it's a conservative uh newspaper but um they uh they have uh liberal and moderate views uh, uh published too well, and at least they're not a part of the corporate uh media that controls most of yeah it's uh, not owned by uh by any that, uh, that, yeah, no. it's, it's individually uh owned yeah. Right. Did they refute your article? No, absolutely not. There was, interestingly, um, there was nothing in the newspaper uh, following this. I'm not surprised because this is the second article they have run about this situation. Maybe uh, that's an indication 
that they agreed with it. You know, so I, well, I, I if don't they know. if they put that title on, at, because that title really um, hits a home run. Uh, and <laughs> uh, it, yes, gonna, I give it, them credit. Yeah, yeah, they did a great job on that title. Is there a VA in Albuquerque, a VA hospital? Um, yes, uh, it's near uh, uh, Kirkland Air Force Base. And is it, here's another uh, example of what we're talking about. Where do you think the medical center is for Kirtland Air Force Base, which is a major um, uh, uh, Air Force Base. They do a lot of energy research and they, they store nuclear bombs and things, and all kinds of interesting stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, they don't have a medical center, uh, believe it or not. Um, this is a good point um, on um, the, uh, the installation. It's... Um, maybe a half a mile away from the border of the installation at the VA hospital. The VA hospital has the medical center uh, for the Air Force Base uh, on the bottom floor, wow. the ground floor of the VA center. So that's another <laughs> thing uh, that, that, that is good for the army and good for the, the VA. Because see, when, when, when people, when doctors are over there, uh, treating patients, um, there may be other doctors at the VA that consult with them about things, yeah. gives them uh, a broader perspective and uh, maybe a m more information about about patients they may be treating. It's it's a very collaborative atmosphere. Actually, um, what happens uh, at the VA hospitals I've been aware of is one day a week, the uh, VA allows uh, physicians and dentists, for example, if, if they have a relationship with a medical or dental school, and they, they pretty much do, uh, they allow them to go there once a week uh, to uh, see patients who work in the clinics and, and things like that. And that, that's how you get to know what's going on at the VA. And at the same time, uh, as a reciprocal thing, uh, the dental school also allows one day a week people from the dental school to go over to the VA. So, you know, you get a very, as a professional, as a health professional, uh, you get a very broad perspective uh, of your specialty because you're not just working with people in dental or medical education, you're also uh, working with uh, uh, people at the, at the VA. And, and the same thing, you know, applies with the training programs and things like that. It's a very reciprocal, collaborative, uh, beneficial relationship that would be most likely lost mm -hmm. with privatization, as I said, because privatization doesn't bring in money. It, it does bring in the, the money for the residency programs, but usually uh, I would say it costs more than the money they get and it, it doesn't bring in uh, a lot of money, it takes time and space. And they would rather have, uh, you know, private pay, paying patients and make money. Okay. All right. Uh, well, let me ask you a quick question, Dr. Feldman, because you were talking about the reciprocal uh, agreement and how um, these um, institutions that teach uh, kids to be doctors and kids to be dentists, and they would lose that reciprocal agreement and training training area 
if the VA got privatized, probably. Yes. Why? Um, or, and maybe I've just missed it, but why haven't institutions that have medical school schools that are that are that are benefiting from these reciprocal agreements, why aren't they causing a stink? Why aren't they writing op-eds? Well, that's a good question. Um, I, I, I thought it was, uh, they were talking about this privatization and I was wondering that myself. Um, th they should be uh, concerned about it. Um, we don't, uh, I mean, I haven't seen any in, in the, uh, where I've been uh, that's not to say they're not doing it, but I, I haven't seen it. Um, not everybody wants to write letters uh, because there's a lot of things in the newspaper and you wonder why doesn't somebody, you know, say this or say that. And only a certain number of people are willing to do that. I'm one of them. Uh, so uh, that's a good question. Certainly they wouldn't want to lose those relationships because uh, it, uh, you know, they get, they get, people in the dental school and the dental school sends people to the VA. It, it, it's very, very, very helpful. Jim, you had mentioned uh, your experiences uh, using uh, first Vanderbilt Medical Center, which is a huge research uh, specialty focused uh, academic medical center, nonprofit, quote unquote. And, uh, <clears throat> and they, uh, they and the VA are literally joined at the hip. Uh, but uh, you talked about the, the, the stark difference in your experiences uh, in the way you were uh, treated, the communication and everything else uh, from when you were at Vanderbilt and when you were at the VA, even when some of the people were the same people. But it, it seemed like the, yeah. the VA culture uh, seemed to make a difference in terms of the way you were treated. Oh, yeah. I mean, just real quickly, when I moved from North Carolina, I had to have follow-ups from a melanoma. And uh, so they, uh, the people at Wake Forest uh, Hospital recommended uh, that I make contact with Vanderbilt. So I did. And after a year or so of going through the uh, production line, the, uh, you know, just the, the, um, the, hurry up in and out and um, how you feeling and whatever. Um, I just moved to the VA and said, tell you what, I'm just going to transfer all my records and all my follow-up with the VA. And it was uh, very, very interesting because uh, like I mentioned about the production line at Vanderbilt, when I got over to VA, people were taking time and time with me. And yet they were saying, well, I'm actually a resident from Vanderbilt and I'm thinking okay over at Vanderbilt it was rush 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 the dermatologist would peek in her head and say you got anything I need to be concerned about no well okay put your shirt on and go home and uh whereas the uh the the, the doctors the nurses the um everybody at the VA took their time well, the other thing was that the VA, you had you had a primary care person. Right? Yeah, who, and I got a... Who uh, coordinated everything. Oh, yeah. That yeah. didn't happen at Vanderbilt. You just went straight to the specialist. Exactly, exactly. In fact, I'm going to go see my primary care person uh, next Wednesday. So uh, to, to get a, a nice little checkup. And, you know, and um, I'm sure... 
uh, he or she uh, will uh, will sit and talk to me and um, um, and and find out what's going on. Uh, now, screening, huh? They do some screening for things. Like oh yeah, PTSD. Oh yeah, uh, that, that doesn't happen when you go over to the special. No, I mean they are always oh oh they're they <laughs> always ask me to fill out a form in which they say, "Are you depressed?" Well, hell yes, everyone. <laughs> what do you want me to be? Jumping for joy, for Christ's sake. So, um, and they never let me out of there without getting a shot. Something, you know, pneumonia or flu or shingles or tetanus. I don't know what they're going to give me this time. But, you know, uh, they always take some blood. They, they the, the thing is, when you go in there, you feel appreciated. You feel like uh, you're you're not part of the cog and you're not part of the okay we checked off this guy they they actually treat you like a person so it's it's nice yeah, even even making appointments and thing, and referrals talk about the difference in a referral uh, the way the va handles that versus a medical center like vanderbilt well people complain about the long waits the long waits uh and um i talked to my primary care about some of the eye issues that I was having, I would see, I would be seeing things, um, uh, these wavy lines uh, in my vision. And, um, you know, they said, oh, well, let's get you in for a, a, an eye appointment. And within two weeks, I was in getting an, um, getting the, uh, the eye appointment. And they follow up with me once a year as far as how my eyes doing just follow you know just following up after they looked at me diagnosed said this is what i need to do you know and and that if things get any different let them know um but that's on record and uh, you know so what i noticed from the va is they are proactive not reactive Mm. and um that's refreshing and they have to... and anyone you see at the va has access to all that information oh yeah uh, all your other clinic visits yeah and they're also uh making, uh, very fragmented they're making uh the medical and dental records um from the military uh, uh be, be in the same system yeah so okay. it'd be by the way i i heard a similar uh, i've heard similar stories uh, that uh, jim uh, was talking about I, I, a friend of mine is a neurosurgeon he's he's no longer with us but he had an appointment at the dental school he did uh some surgeries at a uh a hospital that it was he, he it was a non-profit hospital the jewish hospital in um uh, Louisville, but he also uh, worked. Uh, he also did things at the VA, and he said the same thing. Jim said, "There's there's a tremendous difference in, in uh, the culture because at the uh, and I I know other people that worked at the hospital, and they would say in and out, in and out, boom, 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 uh, is the way it worked. It wasn't quite that way at the VA. It was just a different uh, atmosphere. Part of the reason for that, even if it's a not-for-profit hospital, the um, the managers, the administrators um, have uh, pay incentives for the number of patients that are being seen, things like that. So there's a there's a big emphasis 
on, on seeing patients as many as possible. As far as my friend was concerned, maybe too many. Uh, the VA uh, is, a, is a more uh, relaxed, uh, informal atmosphere, generally speaking. Yeah, and I think that might be a, just an, uh, an indictment of our overall medical system where it's, it's more about the buck than it is about Well, the you even talked about the difference uh, you've experienced when you're just calling for an appointment. Oh. I mean, yeah. they will ask you when it's convenient for you. <laughs> yeah. Day. But the, the other institutions, it's, we can see you on, in three months at such and such a time. <laughs> Exactly, and you know, and when when I'm on the when I'm on the phone with the 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 nurse, and I'm I'm having something go on, um, and he or she will ask me a series of questions and take time to listen and follow up, uh, and uh, uh, you know, and 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 they're very and and because because of those those questions and whatever, um, and the follow-up, I've, uh, I've gotten myself two COVID tests saying, you know, even with an upset stomach and I go and, and, and they list, well, are you feeling this? Are you feeling that? Are you, are you having this? Are you having that? And then the, the nurse will say, yeah, well, you're just close enough that we worry about COVID. So um, come on in and get, uh, get a COVID test. And so I've had two negative COVID tests and I don't plan on a third, but you never know. It'll be interesting to see how the VA uh, performs and responds with the uh, vaccines coming down the pike. Yeah, you know, uh, I think they've already sent out a, a notice uh, yeah. everyone that's on the VA uh, newsletter yeah, email system. Email about that, yeah. Yeah, they've already emailed about the vaccine and how they're setting up a regimen. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I would say this about Vanderbilt. The only thing I've encountered, because I get my health care at Vanderbilt, the only thing that happens is I go to see a specialist. <laughs> excuse me. And the specialist uh, doesn't show for the appointment. It's a PA. Right. Which Vanderbilt okay. is now using extensively. Right. Uh, and my experience with the PAs has not been positive. I won't go into the whole thing, but uh, the particular thing I was involved with is sleep apnea. And you go to the sleep clinic and there's a PA there. And uh, I mean, they were nice and mm. polite and professional, but uh, they didn't really help me with the situation I was in, I ended up, you know, basically talking to my primary care physician who had me send the data to them and then they interpreted it. And PA stands so, for physician's assistant. Physician assistant. Yeah. And they, they also use a lot of uh, um, nurse, practitioner. nurse practitioners. Yeah. Uh, nurse yeah. practitioners might be a, a little um, uh, nicer than, than PAs. Because after all, they're nurses, and nurses, we all know nurses are nice. Yeah. Well, I was a nurse practitioner for 30 years. Well, I'm so glad <laughs> I said that. Boy, right. I finally said the right thing. It's about time. <laughs> but you're very right. The training and the 
emphasis for the nurse practitioner education is is much. You more know, the other thing, Steve, I would say on a personal level. Yeah. Steve, on a personal level, I like the fact that you mentioned that you know you love the VA care you get, and we hear a lot of that. Uh, in juxtaposition, uh, all of us consume all kinds of large-scale services as consumers from private corporations, and you rarely hear people saying, "Oh, I love my cable provider. I love my." <laughs> my cell phone <laughs> provider, my corporate uh, insurance company. <laughs> it just when doesn't I was, happen. When I was working at Vanderbilt. That's your example a, of what privatization is. Yeah. Uh, there was an insurance company that put together a video for practitioners, uh, clinicians, uh, that uh, <laughs> was uh, comparing uh, how, how uh, people are treated in a physician's office with how your pet is treated at the veterinarian. Wow. <laughs> and you know, the pet got, you know, so much more attention and follow-up calls and <laughs> that is a funny story, but you know, but, you they, put they that because they get malpractice suits sure. because people uh, come away with the impression that the person doesn't give a damn. Yeah. But I think that's the key with the privatization. I think yeah. uh, Dr. Feldman's op-ed tried to bring that out. I mean, yeah. the private, you know, the, the, the privatization is going to be a double whammy. First of all, we know what it's going to do to service to, to veterans. And then uh, the emphasis on we're going to be not be able to train new doctors and new dentists as well as we have, because the VA will the, the VAs won't be there or won't be participating in the in the training programs. I mean, this is where privatization of the VA hurts every person in the United States. Yeah. And it's it's a it's a national issue. It's not just a veterans issue. Well for one thing, you know, if you're in using private sector and you have to wait, you know, if you <coughs> I used to try to refer people from Vanderbilt to uh, like a rheumatologist or a neurologist. I mean, you know, some of these people, it was almost six months before you could get an appointment. Yeah. What happens if you throw 8 million veterans into that system? Oh, yeah. How long are people going to be waiting, including the veterans? You know? That's right. And, 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 that means, and that means there's a lot of people that are just going to die in their beds. Well, they're not going to get taken care of that's for sure yeah that's right so yeah, um, what's going to happen in the rural communities where they've closed hospitals yeah for the last 10 years yeah no right so is there any legislation out there that we could be looking to help or is a, it there is a you know a resolution in, in, in the house of representatives house resolution 701 uh that supports the uh <clears throat> support policies that provide necessary resources to maintain a robust VHA and to create integrated healthcare networks for veterans. Also, uh, <clears throat> uh, this is uh, powered partly by the uh, AFGE, the uh, union uh, that most uh, uh, the VA uh, uh, nurses and technicians belong to. <clears throat> and that's under attack. Uh, <clears throat> uh, 
uh, we worked with them somewhat in Nashville, mm -hmm. and they've had some horror stories about what's going on there. And how another piece of legislation that was very helpful. Um, it um, might have been the CARES Act. Um, th there are veterans that, that live uh, distances from a VA hospital. And they, they had, years ago, they had to go to the VA hospital if they wanted VA care. But now, if you live uh, more than a certain number of miles away from a VA treatment facility, uh, there's funding available from the government for the benefit of veterans so that they could go to a private situation, which some of them obviously prefer to do when, when you live 60 miles away or something like that. Yeah, that's kind of a, uh, that was the Choice Act. And that was, you know, initially that was for an identified subgroup that lived more than so far away or had to wait so, you know, so long. Now that has been, put on steroids and the Mission Act, which was passed, uh, was it 2018 or 2019, the Mission Act, VA Mission yeah. Act. 18, that basically extends that to every veteran. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, that, that's all been really part of a coordinated privatization uh, scheme uh, started by the Koch brothers. And uh, it's at this point now over, over half of all VA outpatient appointments are seen in the private sector. That's what that has done. And, and it's a way to basically privatize the VA by attrition. Yeah. <clears throat> now, if you call for a VA appointment, I don't know if you've experienced yep. this, Jim or Tom, but <clears throat> you have to go through this whole, jump through a bunch of hoops about uh, <clears throat> all this network that is available. Uh, <laughs> it, it's just start sounding like a PPO. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, what it is, it is really, and yeah. it's strongly oriented toward uh, diverting veteran a stream of veterans toward the private sector. And yeah. unfortunately, of course, when they go to the private sector, the bill goes to the VA. So that just undercuts the VA's budget, undercuts their capacity to serve veterans, and it loses. You know, the veteran is lost from the VA system in terms of uh, having an integrated uh, healthcare system that, that <clears throat> can track people, that can do research and follow people. That's just completely mm -hmm. disruptive. So uh, <clears throat> I know there are times when, uh, you know, it is important for them to have uh, other options if the VA can't meet their needs. And that's always been for quite a while, their community care has been an option but our uh, Veterans for Peace and uh, uh, other uh, veterans groups have strongly uh, recommended that the solution to these long waiting periods or uh, lack of services is to fully fund and fully staff the VA to meet the needs of veterans. Sure. Yeah, I, I recently VA's read an article mission. where they, they, uh, they did more funding for that purpose when, when the VA um, was not really uh, making appointments uh, on a proper basis because it took too long. They, they've, because uh, I was doing a little research, um, they've uh, beefed up uh, a program for giving more money, excuse me if I interrupted you, for giving more money to the VA so that patients wouldn't have to wait so long. Well, yeah, uh, there has been some of that. Now, 
the, when it first really became a big issue was in Phoenix. Uh, when, oh, yes. When uh, the backlog became so heavy that uh, some employees were attempting to uh, cover some, you know, uh, hide some of that. And it got caught and it blew up into a big scandal and that led to the uh, the uh, initial choice act, but uh, <clears throat> mm -hmm. you know the, it's, the the problem is there are so many people out there who have uh, a vested interest in uh, getting getting hold of this huge uh, potential market and veterans. Uh, yeah, their solution to the any problem like that is send them to the private sector. It's never. Why aren't we funding the VA at the level that? Yeah, that that's part need. of what happens in Nashville. You know, they that siphon never, you know, resources. The forever wars that we have. Yeah, they siphon resources. Yeah. In Nashville, instead of giving the VA the appropriate analysis equipment, they they have the uh, veterans go over to Vanderbilt, who gets mm -hmm. the money for the equipment. Yep. Instead, instead of the equipment being at the VA hospital. Yeah, and we were talking about advertising and the media. Uh, a big part of the uh, Koch brothers uh, campaign has, has utilized the media to publicize anything bad that happens at a VA hospital anywhere in the country. It's gonna be on the front page of USA Today. You know, I mean, I've literally seen pictures of uh, dirty storage closets from the VA in the newspaper. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> uh, you, you know, and anyone who has any familiarity with these uh, private or, or uh, academic hospitals, I mean, there are horror stories every single day. They just don't see the light of day. <laughs> yeah. But the VA is different. You know, there are people who are going to weaponize anything like that and, and it's to undermine the, uh, the whole reputation of the VA and they've worked hard to do that. So Dr. Feldman, how would you like to summarize <laughs> all of the things that you found out or done or or that that went into your op-ed and um, how would you like to summarize it and, well, the, and the get big people activated? Takeaway. Yes, if, uh, if the VA is privatized, there's going to be less uh, training programs uh, especially for specialists. Uh, VA trains a lot of specialists. And uh, in some communities, you have to wait six months for a year uh, to see a specialist for the first time. And uh, if, if the VA uh, is privatized and it's going to affect the number of specialists that are available in the pipeline and uh, people will get sick, they won't be able to get uh, treatment in a in an efficient um, manner. So that should be of concern uh, to everyone. Uh, plus it's gonna cost more money uh, because uh, private enterprise operates uh, as a, on a profit and uh, profit has to be added to the cost. Mm -hmm. And so it's gonna cost, uh, uh, if the, even if the government is paying for it, and it's going to cost more and what's going to happen is going to be more difficult for veterans to get treatment because uh they're they may not pay enough money and the other, the other the other uh, factor that plays in there is services that don't make any money are probably not going to end up happening like like uh suicide prevention 
you know, you can't make any money off that, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that's a huge thing at the VA. They've done all kinds of research, best practices. Uh, you know, veterans are very, very high risk for suicide. You know, it's an epidemic. Uh, prevention doesn't bring a quick profit. <laughs> no. There is a benefit to prevention in, in terms of saving money, but it's over a period of years. Well, yeah, that. and it saves lives, but that also with the thing with the, uh, you know, the private sector, something that uh, saves lives doesn't necessarily show up on your balance sheet. So that's not gonna have as high a priority. Right. Sad to say. <laughs> so Dr. <laughs> Feldman- Healthcare shouldn't be a business, but it, you know. So Dr. Feldman, I had a bone to pick with you and I mentioned it to Harvey. In your op-ed, you said privatization does not necessarily improve efficiency, quality, and save taxpayer money. Now, because you put that caveat in there about necessarily, do you have some example floating around in which privatization actually saves a, saves any money? Or, or improves efficiency. Or improves efficiency. Yeah. Yeah. Um. No, <laughs> or, or you, you were, I know, I know, there it is. <laughs> we just wanted to clarify that. That's right. Because <laughs> I, I worked for the government for 30 years and when Reagan came in, we had to do study after study. We were gonna privatize procurement. We were gonna privatize human resources. We were gonna privatize this, privatize this. And we used to do a cost assessment and every time, the Reagan the Reagan people would get so doggone mad because we 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 do an analysis and we get bids and um, and stuff from the private sector on, on on doing these things and they were always coming in higher than what the government could do and uh, you know Harvey and I and Tom we've talked about okay when we were in the service when you were in the service a military person cut our hair, Yeah, cut our hair. Now that's privatized. And, you know, yeah. you, you know that money is being wasted. You know that money. I understand that a private company, maybe Aramark or something is actually cooking the, the chow for, uh, for, for on, on military bases. I mean, you know, we are wasting money. We are just dropping it through the toilet because we're not having our own do the work. Not just the money, it's the quality of services as well. Oh, heck Look yeah. How much of what was done in Iraq by these contractors. Oh yeah. By the, you know, the yeah. uh, Army Corps of Engineers, like showers that electrocute people. I know, it's a disaster. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's just. In Albuquerque, um, um, during normal times, uh, not the coronavirus time, but. Uh, we would eat at the chow hall, especially on the weekends. We'd bring our grandchildren with us, and the food was wonderful. And and it was uh, it was a private contractor who uh, owned the place. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so um, the army is is going, uh, and and all the military are going towards uh, contracting, uh, supposedly to save money. Uh, but I'm not sure that it uh, it actually saves money. <clears throat> exactly, exactly. So, well, the same thing with the school system and school buses and 
janitorial services, you know, that all these people that used to have good, uh, good paying jobs and they had good benefits with the city and all that. Now they're getting rid of them and they're using contractors. And they had a bus driver uh, as part of a contracted operation in Chattanooga who uh, wrecked the school bus, killed several kids on the bus. Uh, he was, uh, you know, he, he was an addict of some kind, you know, he, uh, he had not been properly vetted. And you've got these people uh, in the schools, you know, where they're around kids all the time. And you don't even know anything about these people. You know, you're taking right. the word of these contractors. Uh, right. So that's, that's really, there are just so many issues with that, that uh, just ignore the best interests of the students and the families. Well, it, it's in the best interest of some politicians to have contractors, because once you have a contractor, uh, you have somebody campaigning to your campaign slush fund. You don't have that with the VA. VA doesn't contribute to any politicians. Right slush fund, but you do have that with contractors. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's why uh, I think they, especially privatizing prisons, for example, oh. uh, very much in Arizona and other places, um, because they're corporation owned and then the corporations uh, want to reelect that uh, politician. So they give them money and it just goes on and on. That's well, a wonderful point. Um, you know, our show is, from Nashville. Nashville is the birthplace of for-profit medicine. <laughs> We're not for, proud for, of that. <laughs> yeah, for-profit prison. And for-profit yeah. prisons. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that worked out really well. <laughs> That's right. So, well, we, we've been on for... Um, Quite a while. Yeah, enough, enough for a whole show. So, Well, if we're done, I, I have a dinner uh, uh, to eat, so I'm going to Thank you very much uh, for your time and inviting me to be oh, yeah. on your program. Um, and uh, my voice would sound a little better. I, I have uh, um, the coronavirus, but I, I only have, I mean, I should be rid of it in a few days. Uh, I'm doing okay, but ordinarily I'm, my voice sounds a little better. Uh, so thank you very much and I'll say goodbye. So Thanks you got so much for uh, joining us. Appreciate your sharing yeah. with us. You got COVID? Yeah. Yes. My, my wife and I have COVID. We just uh, flew. Uh, we were in Albuquerque for nine months where we have a second home. We usually stay three months, but because of the virus in Florida, where we have our main home, we didn't want to go back to Florida. And we finally did. And um, we, we caught the virus uh, from somebody on the plane or the airport where people aren't wearing masks very much, things like that. So yes, we both have the virus, but we're we're doing okay. I'm glad we were socially distanced. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Your your governor uh, just refused to do a, a mask mandate. Yeah, well, he's a trumper. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Boy, is he! Yeah. I didn't vote for him, <laughs> <laughs> and I oh. won't vote for him. Then. Well, I wish him? you and your wife both a speedy recovery. Thank you. Thank yeah. you and have a good evening. Very nice talking yeah. with you. Yeah, Thank great. You. Thanks right. so much. Bye. Good night. Bye. That was Dr. Stephen Feldman talking to us about the privatization of the VA and privatization in general and how time after time the government employee can do things cheaper and more effectively than the private sector and how privatization would damage 
not only the VA and the service they give to veterans, but the education of so many doctors and nurses that are in the pipeline like now, learning to take care of us old people and young people and children. Now, if you have an example to the contrary, where you think the private sector does a better job of a program that is inherently governmental, um, and so if you disagree with what I said, well, please send me a text and give me an example. Please send me a text at 703-403-6135. And please try to prove me wrong. So, with that, it is time to end the show with a song. And in this case, it is a special treat. We have a new and great song by Christine Mode, friend of the show, friend of Harvey and mine, otherwise known as Chris, Miss Christine. Miss Christine. The song is called Truth in Song. Truth in Song. And it is perfect for this time when we were all looking for and so desperate for some truth. So with that, here is Miss Christine with Truth in Song. Oh, by the way, you can search Miss Christine and get this song and hear the rest of her extraordinary work. Here's Truth in Song. Have a great week. Yet so many die Just trying to be true